Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. This is now not episode one, not two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Episode 11, the finale. It is finished. This has been, this has taken us all the way from Toronto to Windsor to Ottawa to Guelph to Hamilton, all across this beautiful province of ours, including doing two remote episodes that I am so gosh darn impressed that we were able to get off. And this final episode, of course, with the Western Mustangs, talking with some big ballers out there. We got two interviews for you. First one with the possibly the best corner tandem from last year, Bleska Kambamba, Kojo Odum. And then we're going to throw it to an episode or an interview we did with Brett Ellerman and Dylan Giffen, both very excellent episodes. So let's just hit the intro music and we'll get into that first interview. Kojo Doom, cornerback at the University of Western, number 21. Bleska Mamba, University of Western Ontario, cornerback, number 15. Brett Ellerman, number 14, slot back receiver at the University of Western Ontario. Dylan Giffen, left tackle of the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At the 55. At the 55. At the 55. At the 55. All right, continuing with the off-season walkthrough tour, joining us today are two members of the Western Mustangs. We initially thought we were going to meet with them about two months ago, but that didn't work out. Then we thought we might Blaine be meeting with them. <laughs> then we thought we were going to meet with them about a month ago, but this whole quarantine thing put the kibosh on that one too. So now thanks to the internet, we have finally connected with the three-time OUA All-Star, Bleska Kambamba, and the reigning rookie of the year, Kojo Odum, if not the best corner duo in the OUA, definitely the number one ranked in terms of best names in the OUA. Bleska, Kojo, thank you guys so much for joining us today. How you guys doing today? Doing well, you know. Doing what we can. Stay in the flow. Just taking it easy, you know. Waiting for all this quarantine business to be up so we can get to life as usual. But, you know, as I said, just taking it easy. Definitely. Well, hopefully not taking it too easy because as we were joking about before, you know, knock on wood that we get the upcoming OUA season in the fall. That's right. And, of course, Bleska, you know, in a less than a week's time, a big day for you, CFL draft, everyone crossing their fingers to see what happens uh, when the 30th rolls around. So both of you, obviously, Bleska, you might be doing some more specific, you might have been doing some more specific training with the CFL, but Kojo as well. Just what have you guys been doing in terms of your training, given the circumstances that we're living with to try and stay in shape and being able to keep your game as uh, at the top of your uh, ca- uh, capabilities as possible? Bleska, you want to just answer everything first? That's <laughs> <laughs> good. And yeah. I'll just, just go in after. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so me personally, it's just a matter of fact. Like, you know, like things, of, everybody's affected by this, whether it's by school, work, just like the economy is. It's a matter of fact. It's a matter of fact. So it's all about how you react to it, right? So now we all have a lot of time to, uh, for ourselves, to really like look in the mirror and see, like, what are you going to be, right? And like, for me, now that I have I have my own my own self, that's all I have right now. My family, myself, what kind of person I want to be, and you know, I, I find my craft and my work to be really important. So you know, like I'm out there every day in the morning, uh, running, doing my drills, just making sure I'm ready for whatever that comes. Mm, yeah, and for me, I just say 
I say at least like every day I'm I'd be doing some sort I'd be doing some sort of fo- football stuff whether it's whether it's kind of just body weight stuff in my room or going to friends and kind of kind of lifting with the kind of with the lifting kind of supplies they got um or whether it's just going to the field getting a run in working on working on your brakes working on your back pedal um stuff like that i'm going to the field probably about every day um yeah getting in a, a workout in hope almost every day probably every other day um with limited resources you know obviously obviously the workouts are going to differ um but it's been good i've been going, going to a few spots um got got some a few garage type gym that kind of make it make it a little easy to get some work in still um with this quarantine but yeah just getting just getting work keeping busy um stuff like that now as we mentioned cfl draft is coming up and that's obviously a really big event for you know u sport oua guys and uh you know everything that's going to happen with that but of course as people know we are you know today being what the 20 25th of April we are you know kind of towards the end of the NFL draft and Kojo I know we talked about this a bit before we started recording but with you being a BC kid obviously as I'm sure everyone who listens to this knows by now there was a big big event happening with another BC native uh you know Mr. Claypool getting picked by Pittsburgh uh just last night um, what did that mean for you as, as someone who grew up in, in sort of a, a similar, uh, well, I guess he's, he's from Burnaby, you're from Surrey, but what does that, what does that mean for you in terms of that connection? Um, it really means a lot, you know, kind of seeing that we kind of come from the same place for the most part, um, and seeing that he was in a BC high school football jersey, just like I was, and just like how all of my friends were, and how we all kind of, we kind of all grew up kind of having that NFL dream, but to see him in an Abbotsford jersey, and now seeing him into in a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, um, it kind of it kind of just kind of brings it all together, and kind of just shows that you know anything anything really is possible, um, and never to put that dream kind of on the back burners. And now, so for Bleska, you're talking a little bit about your the training you've been doing, and, and just trying to make do with what we kind of have going on prior to what sort of you know what what we're living in now was there any particular training or anyone you were working with in particular um in prep for you know when we were, we thought we were going to have the combine or were you just doing the regular standard work with uh the mustangs training facilities and everything uh you know i was uh i found out i need to make sure that i was a tip-top shape for this because you know i never really ever took that time to really own my body like you need to to take it to the next level and so going to Miguel Watson at Athletic Fluency, he really, really put it into perspective, you know, because he's already worked with all the guys who've been through it. And if that gives you a lot, like, you know, that gives you that boost and all the guys you work with in the morning. So it's, it's, it's really, it was really a journey. It's like, it's like, this is where you separate the men among the boys, right? So, and I'm just trying to do what I can, like whether it's um, at home, like rolling, foam rolling, just, the little things that really matter, you know, that, that ticket. Now that it's like, now that I don't have school anymore, this is like my schooling, you know, this is my profession. So I got to go about it that way too. So uh, w- one thing I wanted to ask about last, uh, uh, about last season, or I know we have a lot of questions about last season and I'll, I'll pass it over to you to code after this one. Um, I mean, you guys have been on the, the Western Mustangs that is, have been on an incredible streak of, of Yates Cups Yates Cup runs and a couple van appearances in that and a championship to boot, um, or at least more towards you, Bleska, on, on that front. And of course, last year 
wasn't able to get the job done, unfortunately, against McMaster. But one game in particular that you know has to be up there in terms of the best games from the 2019 season is that matchup you guys had with the Waterloo Warriors. And mm, that, I don't, was, that was the worst one. <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. So I, that, you know, I'm curious to, for you to expand on that. But I'm I'm curious for Kojo because I think it's fair to say that you know, despite not get winning the Yates last year, that you at the very least your performance in that game saved the three consecutive seasons of oh, undefeated yeah. regular oh, season yeah. matchups. So you know, in, in any way you guys want to talk about that game, just what was that battle like uh, going up against that just incredible offense led by Trey Ford and the Waterloo Warriors. I'll let Kojo finish because that was his big game. I, I thought you were talking <laughs> about the the first one when he got his other big fumble recovery for the <laughs> for the win there. I don't know. Uh, Waterloo is always tough because, like, as you know, mobile quarterbacks they're they're uh, you don't know what they're gonna do. They're gonna take off when they you, they see their backs turn. They're gonna and then Trey Ford can put it on the dime when they, he's as Chernowski and Gordon Lamb there. So you know, so we had we already like tasted the fact that we were going to, we almost lost the first time. So obviously we didn't want to go through it again and injuries, you know, they, that's part of the game. And you have guys coming in and out. It was real tough, you know, losing your free safety, your field half, and then you're coming and we were already a young team. So I had to, you know, I had to move around a lot. And so it's great to see that a guy like Kojo that like, I remember my first year is like the boundary corner spot. You got to be like, a dog for that right so i worked for that and the fact that kojo came in and in like one couple couple weeks uh i got bounced over the other side and coach like trusted in the same amount of uh, somebody gave with me so that tells you about a lot about what kind of person kojo is in the as a teammate and as a worker appreciate that bless um yeah i was just question were you guys asking about the last uh regular season game against waterloo or my pick, Mr. Hero. Oh, my pick, my pick. <laughs> um, yeah, that was definitely that was def- that's probably the best game I've I've played um, in my life. Um, as far as as far as football games I can remember, um, but yeah, that was a big game, um, playoff game. You know, first first OUA playoff game because we had that bye week. Um, but yeah, playing Waterloo is always is always tough, especially when playing dual threats. Dual, dual threats, as much of a stress it is on the D line, people kind of underestimate how stressful it can be as a DB, just because you're sitting there and you're covering. It's just like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and you're still out here covering dudes. The ball's on there yet. Your receiver's eyes haven't gotten big yet. Then you get to four Mississippi, and you're kind of like, dude, like, why isn't the ball in there? And then you turn around. Trey Ford's like, dancing 20 Ford. yards behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, oh, yeah, doing pirouettes, spinning around everybody, hurling people. Um, it was crazy. Um, but I I think at the end of the day, um, our, D-line, our D-line stepped up a lot that game. Um, yeah, and you'll see on that on that pick that I – on the on the second pick that I had that went through the touchdown, um, our, our one of our D-linemen, De- Deontay, beat the tackle clean. Got got some good pressure on Ford, which we've been, which we got started to get a lot more of as the game went on, which kind of made it easier to kind of contain him because you're never going to really stop a player like that. You kind of just got to work to contain him and can kind of control him in a way. Um, but yeah, um, our D line was big that game. Um, that that play especially um, got a little pressure on him, kind of caused a little air and throw, um, and that's what kind of led to the pick. The pick. Um, 
And yeah, that game, I don't know. That, that game, I was, it was important. I just... Backs against well, the wall. Are you going to lose at home first round against a team that almost knocked you out of their undefeated season? Is really... Who are you, right? It was a it was so, a powerful game, one hundred percent. Yeah, we knew we knew how we had to come into that game with a lot of focus, a lot of focus and practice. Um, and I think we did all that, and and it ended up paying off in the end. Yeah, I, th- I think you know is obviously as, as great as Western is. People don't really necessarily give enough credit to Waterloo as a whole. They just kind of see it as the Ford show. Um, so them, them obviously coming in. I know you guys obviously prep, but from an outside perspective, people are like, oh, Western should just walk over these guys. But it, everyone knows in this conversation knows football is, you know, any given Sunday or I guess Saturday in the OUA. Um, as, as Western, like talking about, you know, big games, uh, we have big games throughout the whole year. We're the biggest games that teams are going to play every single, every single, like, game they we're circling everybody's calendar essentially is what i'm saying exactly. and so we, yeah. we, we gotta work like we are right so so you yeah. know so that's why all these little all the games whether we're playing uh university of uh waterloo queens or university of toronto if we ever play them again uh it's all about just you know taking it on on like one step at a time just making sure that you get the job done yeah, because even against you guys, if someone, if you guys win, say you know twenty-one to fourteen, they're going to say that you guys are soft because you guys, you know, Western should be putting up seventy points in most games, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I have my bias, obviously, uh, going going to Western before, but um, but but speaking of, you know, unfortunately, this the season didn't necessarily end how uh, you guys wanted it to, uh, even though it was you know undefeated going up until that point. Uh, what were the takeaways maybe that G Marsh had in the locker room that wasn't just you know, a wasted eight and no season, but you know, an eight and no season for Western, I don't want to say means less, but means a lot less than necessarily uh, if York went four and four next season, sort of thing. Like it's kind of expected at this point. So, what were like the positive takeaways that G Marsh had for that season? I mean, being a guy that lost the East Cup twice before already, I already know how much of a voting factor that is for a team because that's what really brought us together. After losing the Guelph in uh, 2015 and then losing Laurie in 2016, it's like, man, we're always talking about wanting to be a champion. Doing that, it's like, what gives? You know, what are we gonna do to make that happen? And it's and it's now we got to do that again. Like whether, it's like, I, I my takeaway is that I like you know I feel like I should have stepped up a lot more in terms of leadership. And you know, it sucks. You know, you can't control injuries. Losing Chris really, really, you know. Losing the heck right isn't always the greatest thing in the championship game, but you know it was really it sucked because you know the defense was really click- clicking. Like we had a lot of you know up and downs like throughout the year, but we kept winning and people weren't seeing that stuff. But you know we like the first three drives against uh, McMaster, uh, we we stopped the turnovers, yeah. three turnovers. Like, we were we were firing, and it was really you know it's you know it's it's a game, right? It's all about. Uh, what you do next time. So we just got to use that, motivate ourselves again, and just refocus. It's like, you know, can't, can't be losing Yates Cups on home field. It's tragic. Well, don't don't talk about the 2015 season because uh, Zach was actually on Guelph's team when they won. 
Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure whether I, I would bring that up or not. But you know what? Since Dakota since Dakota did the honor, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to. I'm not going to. This isn't me trying to brag about it. But I am curious for both of you just and because I've gotten to pick Dakota's brain a little bit about the Western mystique and our, our buddy Eddie Meredith and talking about just what that what it's like to be on that team and just from an outsider's perspective someone who's had to go up against western both in games in london and as well in guelph uh, you can definitely feel it as an opposing player that that sense that this is more than just when we play laurier the week before or when we play carlton the week after do you guys have that sense when you're facing another opponent not to say that they're scared of you but that there's that intimidation factor that the 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 you know the western mustangs everything that means that it you know there's there's the great line from the movie catch me if you can where it's the reason the yankees always win is because the other team can't keep their eyes off the pinstripes that just the, the status of the team is almost purple baby exactly can you guys talk a little bit about what i mean kojo obviously you've had only had your first year but i'm actually quite interested right. in what you've learned in just that time but what it means all what all that means that legacy when you guys go to play other teams um, we're in, we're, yeah, um, for sure. Uh, we're in purple. I don't know. It's it's a special feeling. Um, you come out dripping all purple, and then I th- I think in, I think hundred percent. Like like Busco said, in a way, it's almost every team Super Bowl. At least at, at least in the OUA, as far as Canada West, they obviously got their dudes that kind of they got their their names kind of circled. But I'd say in the OUA, hundred percent. Like from team to team, like they want our number and they want to be the team that beats Western and they want to be the team. But even like you, you'd be surprised. Like I got dudes from Guelph talking to me about how, how they almost beat us. Da, 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 da. Like I got dude, dudes in my ear and like bragging, like they almost beat us. And I'm, I was like, it was almost confusing. Like in, in one way, in a one light, just cause like, I mean, if that so, touchdown wasn't called back, yeah, I mean, like, who knows what would have happened, but I mean, that's what it is. They almost, they almost beat us, but we're, we're, <laughs> We're and like feeling that, terrible on the bus because that was the worst game we played. That was literally that was, like weird. we almost was, lost. <laughs> we all we almost <laughs> lost. They didn't almost win. We almost lost. And that's that's what it is. That's the attitude. It's like when you come up playing the Patriots, Lakers, the uh, the Celtics. It's like you're gonna see the championships up there. You know what it is, and you know when we come up and put that purple on it, like. Coach Leeson, like he tells the defense about all the like the history. You're putting more than yourself, you know. You see the alumni. I think we just take that, and it means maybe more to us because not more to us, but I don't know. I guess we just end up winning a lot more for some reason. But we just work, I guess. You know, like it starts with uh, with Coach Marshall for sure, but uh, Stapleton, like Christine Stapleton, are. Uh, athletic director she's always out of our game she's supporting us and it's really a community it's like oh, yeah. i don't know we i feel like looking at uh what's going what has been going on with other like situation the only way with team the 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 changes this was the biggest we went undefeated this year with uh losing like half like a lot of the coaching staff and people don't take that into perspective either there's a lot of there's a lot of turnover and me being a guy that was there four years before i, I noticed those things right and so it's all like for a team that was young and I was starting to trying to click together, you know, it's 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 just another step forward or higher. So being a thing. I feel like it's more than just like more than just the jerseys, it's everything that came before that and it's like everything around Western football. Um 
because like 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 I said, like the the history and tradition at that school. I mean, it, a lot of I mean, you go to a lot of schools and you kind of you kind of go there and it, so you feel like kind of lacks tradition and like a lot of it isn't in, in like traditional in like all of its ways per se. Um, but like I could, I could definitely feel from from like a freshman point of view. Coming from high school, at least, um, I could definitely say that, like, you can definitely feel that football means more to just the players. Like, there are people around there that really care about the program. People out there, some people out out at our practices, like, every day, just literally watching. Just because, you know, they have that kind of support for the Western Mustangs. Um, And it's a good feeling. And that kind of makes us go into game day with a different kind of of energy, a different kind of confidence in ourselves and and with each each other. Like, when you got... When you got those uh, three two eight scouts up there on the on the wall, like it reminds you every day of what it really is. So I think that's really what it is. Success is Western. It's expected. Not you're expected to make plays. It's what it mm-hmm. is. You're supposed to be out there to do it. If not, we'll find someone else. It's it's working together. It's I don't know. It's it's, it's a lot, as you could probably it's tell. A lot. <laughs> Well, well, Everybody could have would have their own opinion about it. Well, I'm, yeah. I think I think obviously tradition is a huge huge thing at Western, and, and it's part of the reason I went there. Um, but you know, you guys saying it's more than just you know the jersey and stuff. But just for the for the heck of it, can you talk about Bluska? This is maybe more for you because you've been there longer. The fun of wearing those black jerseys on Blackout <laughs> Night. Oh my goodness! I it's <laughs> something else. Uh, that was that was amazing because. Uh, Remember when we were wearing those grays? They were tight. They were tough to get off. But then, I don't know. We wanted black jerseys for a long time, and then like when Christine Stapleton came in once again, she like it, I don't know. It was a little bit of a uh, uh, suspense to it. It was like rumors. It was kind of like Bleacher Report was behind it. <laughs> and then like once we saw those, was like, yo, let's go. Like it's it, there's there's just that that little extra sauce, you know, when you're when you're at home. It's dark out. You know the fireworks are going to be on after, <laughs> so you just you just want to. It's it adds a little juice, you know. Look good, play good, feel good. Well, I'll jump in real quick, um, and I'll let you go, uh, Dakota. Just because I was I, I was at the uh, blackout game this year when you guys handled uh, Carlton nicely, and uh, I've you know been out a few more games, in, including the Yates and uh, unfortunately the. Uh, your uh, revenge Yates Cup against Guelph a couple years ago, but we don't need to talk about that one. But I've seen a couple games uh, in the stands uh, at TD, uh, and you know, just from everything you guys have been saying, and you know, part of what me and Dakota try and do with this podcast is trying to help grow the game, grow the platform, give you guys and everywhere else in the OUA just the shine that is deserved given the level of talent. But and you touched on, you guys touched on it talking about you know playing for Western and everything involved in that but it's one of my favorite places to go watch a game because it feels you know you got the, the you know the, the people are getting their the food and the snacks and there's people all the like you know test your arm QB throw game and it feels like a real event and I think one of my favorite moments which came from the blackout this past year at one point it's like late in the game and I hear some kid like pestering his uh, his dad he wants to leave the game and they're like oh you know still like Five minutes in the fourth quarter, uh, we got to see if Western wins. And the kid goes, "Dad, Western always wins. Like we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to be here." But you know, I absolutely love just the event aspect of going to your games, let alone getting to watch the uh, the level of talent. It feels it feels like a real college uh, atmosphere. Oh, hundred percent. Um, yeah, you you really feel that. Um, yeah, home games especially. I mean, like, I mean. 
I'm I'm comparing like our Western Mustangs like collegiate games to like some of my high school games. Like my high school, like they didn't even have they got stands in my they finally got stands for our grass <laughs> field in in my last year grade twelve. Um, so I could kind of tell you how how kind of hyped up football is um, at least like around. Well, where I play football at, um, obviously I would vary from like from high school to high school, but like for the most part, I mean, like you'd never really have like march full on marching bands. You got like cheerleaders there, all game, home games, away game, throwing each other up in there, stuff like that. Um, you got the you got the Mustang running around the track on for touchdowns, you got the big flags and everything like that. And like you said, it really makes it into. It makes it feel a real like a big event. Um, and I think that, that I think that the OUA and U Sports needs to kind of adopt more of that in the game because um, it really it really means more when to the players when when it's kind of carried like that because it just like it's like I said it makes it seem like more of an event than just like an everyday game. You know. So now one yeah. of the questions. Sorry. Oh no worries, no worries. I was <laughs> go ahead. Uh, well, so one of the questions, um, and because Koji, you kind of touched on it in terms of, you know, that if, if other schools could create that same atmosphere and just grow in the game, one of the questions that we've, um, you know, been asking uh, some guys around the league when we're doing these interviews uh, is, you know, in that vein, if, if you could make one change to the OUA um, for anything, we've gotten like different answers from whether it's, um, you know, interconference games and regular season action to, you know, the way that the, the, the television stream works to, you know, just stuff on that, um, you know, all, all those kinds of ideas. Are there any things that, uh, you guys have seen Kojo in your, in your one year there and Bleska in your time with the Mustangs that you think, um, would help to, to, to grow the game in, in any way possible? Um, I, I well, I did see that I did see recently, and um, I don't know who put out. Um, someone did like a little thing about um, some of the uniforms in, in U Sports, um, and I kind of saw that there was a limit on how many uniforms a team could have. And I and I was sitting there, I was sitting here yeah. all, all all year. I'm just like, yo, we're we gonna pull out our grades. And I like the grades. I, I saw the grades, <laughs> all, the all green. I'm just like, yo, like I, like I'm trying to I'm trying to play in those. Um, but then I heard that oh, we have our blacks instead of the grades. So I think that would be like limit. Yeah, <laughs> but so I'd well. say that would, that's the Stu Lang rule. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my man. Glove was dirty, man. I would, like they pull up these random combinations. I would never <laughs> imagine that. That was that was that was so unfair for. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, there's the Western rule too that you can't have 125 guys on the roster. <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's also fair. I mean, but yeah, I mean, as far as I'd, yeah, I'd say maybe that. And then I like I like how you said maybe even like added in like one out of comp, one or two out of conference games. Like how many? Games, we probably played like yeah. I mean, how many? How many? I don't know how many regular season games we played. Probably around like what was it seven eight, to like eight? Eight. eight? Yeah, eight, um, yeah, I'd say like even making like or want to make one extra game we could either play against like Canada West I got to do some Canada West yeah. saying the ball out in the Canada West is better and I think otherwise yeah. like, like um, for sure like you look so at um, playing that would be cool you look at uh-huh. the the best teams they usually have the, the biggest support right so to grow the, the game it would make sense to make them play each other because that's the ones that would have the most traction is that 
after say so if we have, so for sure if we could have like you know bigger games just like the ones like it's like NCAA in America you know like the ones that you watch on Saturday or the is when Michigan State's playing uh, Ohio State or when uh, LSU's playing uh, Alabama you know what I mean those are the big games that that people are going to tune into so to grow the sport give give the people the bigger games right and it's tough as an exhibition too <laughs> yeah. But that, that's what makes it confusing. It's like how how do you like change the playoffs? Get like how how do you yeah. put it in? Does it matter? Like, do you, would you need more two games? Would it be like more like an NFL, the AFC type thing? Like, how, you know, you never know. It's yeah. complicated. So, well, I mean, well, I think it, we can it, all kind of we can all agree that the playoffs are a little a little bad right now. But Blasco, you were you were part of the team where you guys went out in I think it was what eighty two to three <laughs> when you went to the AUS. Um, so I think, I think, you know, I'll, I'll say it so you guys don't get in trouble, but I think the playoffs need to be reformatted a little bit. So, you know, the AUS maybe stands a chance or gets, gets bumped. I just wonder how, how that would go about with all the conference championships, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't have the answers. I just, I just have the problems. You got the OUA, which I would say is one of the better conferences, right? Like you got us and Mac, like who would we play and how would we like, give the Yates Cup, would it be like a regular season thing? Would it like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different ways you can go about it. I'm curious though, what were some of the other, like when you asked other teams uh, what, what they would change, what were some of the, what were some of the answers there? I'm kind of curious. Well, I know the big one Dakota and I have been on and a couple of the guys have uh, reciprocated the same idea is just that, you know, when you, you go to watch it, uh, you go to check out the schedule for like any given like week four, like a random week four. You're gonna have every game, but maybe one at one o'clock, right? right? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Even the playoffs, that was that was not yeah. fun. And Watching. it's honestly, it, yeah, the playoffs is crazy too. Because like I remember when I was playing, and it's it seems like the easiest thing. And you know what? It probably is the easiest thing. It's a one o'clock game. It's a four o'clock game. Exactly. Boom, yeah. Done. But then, yeah, regular season two, and I know uh, Dakota, I'll let because it's I know you had the idea of how you thought to spread it out. That I mean, I I think is a great idea, and I know a lot of guys have uh, agreed with too. Yeah, I mean, the logistics probably isn't there. Like the the guys who want to schedule it probably just don't care enough. But I mean, if there's five games in a week, why not two at one, two at four, and then one at seven or something like that? Like just spread it out so at least you know even for the players so the players can you know on the bus ride home maybe stream the game and watch who else is playing because you i mean you guys don't really get to watch other than i know especially at western you guys are watching film until the wee hours of the morning with gmarsh <laughs> but I mean, you guys don't actually you guys you guys don't actually get to like watch the games for from the sake of just watching it and not trying to study it we're no. just on the buses refreshing and refreshing that you sports or the way page <laughs> and also and also that and also that that stuff never like I, that's never updated <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I just want to say for the record on, on this real quick that, you know, whether it's, 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 it's us talking about this now or any of the conversations that we've had about this, this shouldn't be taken as a negative thing. This mm-hmm. like this is all a it's all a business it's an organization and to be able to have an open conversation about things that can get better is a positive thing one hundred percent in my books so I don't you know I I don't think people should be afraid to you know this isn't 
taking shots at, at the league or the organizers. Yeah. And as Dakota said, there's obviously logistics that make it tough. But to me, this is so important that these conversations are being had with you guys who are in the league right now, who are experiencing yeah. it and who could have a better student athlete experience if, you know, so, some of these things I don't think are that big changes. But just having the conversation, I think, is important. I don't think it should be something that's demonized for, you know, Oh goodness, we're, we might be considered criticizing the OUA over there. Yeah. You know, maybe you should unionize. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the the bare the bare minimum. You know, obviously the scheduling is is a lot more, but the bare minimum have someone just one person that just streams all the games and then just tweets updates on the scores or puts it up on the website. Because I've been watching the game and then I'll check the website and they're like a quarter and a half behind on the scores. Like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a struggling. It's not my job to let people know the score. <laughs> Honest, like even I've like I've, I've been even watching like I've I watch a little bit of of Canada West film too uh, when I get the chance because like you said they they kind of have game oh uh, plus the time difference too that kind of allows me to kind of watch a few more of the games. <laughs> um, but I would say that like the I know Canada West makes their streams uh, cost money where you kind of have to pay to kind of watch. Um, which I don't, I, which I don't think would be conducive. I think the right way should kind of have like all the streams be free for college football or for university sports, just so that everyone has the ability to pay or not not pay to pay attention and like watch, so that people don't have an easy excuse to not watch. You know, um, but I will say that um, I, I, I like the way Canada Canada West kind of presents their live streams. Um, in mm-hmm. comparison to, to our, I don't know if it's just ours or all OUA. Um, streams i don't know if it's the, i don't think it's the same per people doing it no no schools. it's usually the, it's school based the schools right yeah. right um so yeah i would say look to, into changing that i don't know kind of give it a more i wouldn't say it's not professional as as is now but i don't know you can kind of see a difference um it, when you look at watching canada west uh canada west stream compared to the oua stream um, and kind of where the money kind of comes in where whether it's whether it's just the shots or whether it's just the cameraman, like in general, actually catching the whole game and all the action, and not just like a catch down field and it kind of just gets caught and then turns like three seconds left yeah. and just like oh he's in end zone, so <laughs> like no, no yeah the replays, but then that's and that's something that also you know some players mentioned as well because. You know, I might get yelled at for this, but I think CFL football is, you know, on par with NFL football. But from when you're watching it, it's the production value that makes NFL more enjoyable to watch. So it's the same thing. Like, you know, when I'm at a, you know, OU Sports, I almost said CISU Sports game, it could be the same level of competition as a CFL game. But if I'm watching it on TV, the production value is completely different. So if you're gonna, if you're going to make people pay, then you need to bump the production value up a lot. Yeah, exactly. But I do know that it is obviously it's school based. I know Western has the the Fanshawe Television and Western Television working together. My old roommate actually used to cover. The, he was he was the guy on the golf cart with the camera, <laughs> running on the on on the track. Um, I know Zach has has you know a couple more questions. This is probably my last one. Um, a little more lighthearted. We obviously started the conversation with, you know, what are you doing to stay in shape and and keep working in the quarantine? Have either of you guys? Um, done anything stupid you know on obviously you see people shaving their heads or i'll even throw myself under the bus here uh i think it was week two i got so bored and because i stopped doing conference video calls with my work i dyed my hair bleach blonde and i've regretted it ever since um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah being, being a 27 being year old grown man with bleach blonde hair is not a good look um but i'll, I'll own it have, have you guys done anything maybe you're like oh i probably shouldn't have done that but it's quarantine who cares 
Mm. <laughs> got me thinking. Now I just I just put myself on blast. No one has an answer. Um, not off the top of my head, so I guess not. Uh, <laughs> I've been good, but maybe we're not living right. Maybe we yeah, maybe. <laughs> take it, take a page from your notebook. I don't know. I, I'm just doing the you know the 2018 Western Vanny run where everyone did the bleach blonde hair. I just wanted to relive that moment for Western uh, <laughs> glory days. See, see, I got away with that. Um, I, I only, I only got did my tips. Nah, I was, I was too weak on you guys. I should have forced everybody to do it. Again. I'm not. You did not want to see. You did not want to see that bleach blonde dreads. I didn't think you guys want to see that. You guys didn't have it in you. No, nah, I definitely <laughs> did not. A lot of dudes, yeah, yeah, a lot of dudes I know um, out here have been dying or not dying. They've been cutting their hair off. Like I got a, um, I got a couple dudes that got dreads went completely bald. Um, I got a couple dudes with some long curly hair. I know that they're about to cut their hair bald in the next like week. <laughs> I don't know. Quarantine got quarantine got people doing doing the most. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I've, I've been sta- I've been staring in the mirror with the razor thinking about shape at all. <laughs> just debating every day, just looking, just like, ah, is today the day? I don't know. Uh, that's funny. I, kinda, I was looking at myself today, too. I was like, man, I kind of miss wearing hats. Should I shave it all off right now? <laughs> don't do it. Don't give in. I'm, I'm remember, I forget. Remember, I used to go to Lids and it was you know, those big hats that you just like fit, never, you know, like sit on your head with a, because they're just too big. <laughs> the ones that go over the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I never understood how people have such big heads, but I guess it was just for dreadheads. <laughs> um, so jumping back a little more serious, and I think Zach will probably hop off this with a couple of questions. Um, Bless God, I've seen you've been you've been popping off on the stories recently on Instagram, um, and I and I just kind of read through the one yesterday. Can you touch on what you meant by it? you said uh, my humble pie keeps making me throw up? Can you touch on what you you were kind of saying on that a little bit? Yeah, I just I just wanted to be honest, but uh, just like what I came from, you know, like you know, like I I read all these articles about you know my film or whatever, and you know, like you know, I look at Lamar Jackson and like you know, it's really time to self. All right, so what are you gonna do with it now? And, you know, and I want to give a, a little boost to the kids that maybe aren't getting recognized, like whatever. Like I I've gone I've gone on this part. In my life, my dream of sport through changing from basketball to football and first year being redshirted, and you know every step of the every you know every year I add a little little thing and I checked off every thing that I wanted. To, I I worked for like, you know I felt disrespected as a you know first Canadian. I see all these guys that I was at East West with, and I felt like I was better than you know what I mean. And so now I it just it's just more fuel of fire. It's like I'm not redshirted again. I'm just I just. I'm refocused. I'm just ready to go, you know. You probably hear that little feel I got going on right now. I'm just get me, gets oh, me going. I need, to, I need to get out of the house. I need something. <laughs> well, the you know sticking Bleska sticking with uh, um, some of the the work you you've done while at Western. Uh, I think this is my last question I have. I just wanted to get you to talk a little bit about the Garden Initiative. Okay, so. Pretty much, uh, as a young immigrant, as a black man, that, that my parents immigrated here, moved from Montreal. You know, they did all the things that I needed to to get what I needed, right? And like, unfortunately, like not every parent actually sees the value of sport. 
until they sometimes kids learn about it in high school when they finally get that shot. But, you know, like for me, I've seen the, I've, I've uh, reaped the benefits of sports, right? And it's helped me be in university. It's helped me meet a lot of friends. And it helps me really, like, when things go rough, you know, like the microcosms of football, like, they get stuff. You do lose games. But what are you going to do, right? And so these are little things that kids could have, like, you know, that they could learn uh, just by being able to play, you know, it's not always about becoming, you know, become the greatest ever, but it's lessons that you learn on that road. And I'm just trying to make sure that uh, kids don't have to work four to midnight like I did every day. And I'm going to, to uh, French version school, like at six in the morning, waking up, you know, like that. Cause you know, sleep's important too. Like, and it's, it's all about helping that development. Like if there's a kid like me that, that really wants to that really wants to push and work. I want to be sure that I can say like, "Hey, come here. I'll I'll give you what you need." So I'll just if you work, I'll work with you. You know. So that's what I really want to help bridge that gap. So, so just for uh, people listening who might not be as familiar, what are some of the events that you've run in the past um, with with the the uh, program? So yeah, so last year was uh, first year we had our events. So we had our flag football tournament. We had like I've worked at. Uh, camp I've been a camp counselor in my life, so I've always known how to like run, like entertain kids. I, I tutor, uh, like in the season, like I tutor out of school three times a week. Like I work, so like I'm always like in the community. So and I I coach also basketball and and volleyball like at a French school. So I'm like always in contact with these kids, right? And I know what they're what they're missing. You know, like when they're hitting me up, uh, I'm on. Um, on the set on this in the summer, like those uh, basketball events, that would just hold health and like it's it goes a long way. And you, you don't really realize because you know, like now that I have all the time to look back in hindsight, see how much sport helped me, like you now it's really important. So, moving forward, kind of like the same thing we're focusing right now soccer, basketball. I'm trying to go further and you know, develop some workout programs for kids that you know, now that I I, I get the time to think creatively, you know, I have a lot of ideas I can, sorry, can I, uh, I just messed up the whole question, I lost my train of thought. No, that's good, that's all good, man. <laughs> yeah. I just realized they're rambling and rambling as a word like Ah, oh, dude, don't worry. No, that's that's perfect. So obviously, I mean, everyone in this conversation right now, and I'm sure anyone listening, um, tuning in is on board obviously knowing the power of sports and how important it is uh, particularly at a young age um and you know i love how you mentioned that it's not even necessarily about getting to the pros for some of these kids it's just something to do that builds friendships and, and tons of life skills so um that's incredible what you're doing with that and um hopefully you know I, I imagine that's obviously slowed down to a complete halt with what's going on mm-hmm. um but uh, hopefully um once all this is over um that'll be able to pick up again um and so i you know i'm, I'm sure i'm sure for western mustang fans tuning in uh the, you know knocking on wood that we have a 2020 season i'm sure they would love to see both of you back at corner for the the purple ponies but i'm sure they would also be just as happy uh seeing uh, Bleska not return for the obvious reason that we're all hoping you wouldn't be returning. Um, so whatever happens, I'm sure, you know, you'll both have, uh, you know, whether it's back at Western or Kojo back at Western and Bleska, wherever you wind up in the CFL, I'm sure you guys will be, uh, you know, have the, the most success because you obviously both have, you know, had stellar careers so far already. So um, 
Thank you guys so so much for joining. Sorry, us Zach. Today. Zach, sorry, yeah. just to, just to, just hop in. Um, Bluska, yeah. for all the um, all the the rich millionaires that are are listening to this, uh, where can they go to find out more and maybe help support what you're doing? Actually, uh, so I merged uh, my company, uh, a little organization with someone else that was another group of young kids, um, kids, young adults like I. So now we're on Instagram, Facebook, it's all Sports Connect Canada. Uh, you know, you, uh, get in contact with us. You can message us. You can, uh, it's all up on our website too, sportscanacanada.com. So if you want to get in touch, if you want to help kids uh, achieve their dreams, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in uh, sport, whatever the endeavors are, uh, we're willing to help and willing to listen. So, you know, don't be shy. Okay. Perfect. Beautiful. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely add that the, the link into all our socials and into the episode uh um, link as well because um, that's all incredible stuff you're doing um, but yeah uh, Kojo Bleska thank you guys so much and best of luck moving forward guys thank you yeah, 100% once again that was Dakota and I speaking with Bleska Kambamba and Kojo O'Doom two defensive backs one perhaps a former defensive back now from the University of Western Ontario your alma mater Dakota start us off what'd you, what'd you like talking with those guys there's not much to not like first of all western so they obviously get bonus points there um honestly one of my, my one of my favorite interviews even bias aside um and that might have just been because of the the audio quality that we got um that obviously gives them an advantage um no uh again cliche two great guys um very knowledgeable of their position uh i was rather surprised by uh you know how well Kojo uh, held himself. Obviously, he's a, a young gun, eighteen years old. Um, but I mean, that just goes to show uh, what kind of people, what kind of young men that Western brings in. Uh, the fact that they're not just raw athletic ballers; they're they're intelligent human beings. Um, and then, obviously, with with Bleska, the the work he does outside of football, uh, you know, hits close to home because it's you know stuff that I feel very passionate about, especially in Toronto. In fact. Uh, I, I mess, talk, spoke with him afterwards. I was saying uh, if uh, a GTA team picks him up, that him and I should get together and, and do some work um, in the community. Um, but just the fact that you know he gets it. I, I I love football for football, and I love football for everything it, it brings into people's lives. Uh, and the fact that he you know, he recognizes that and he you know takes time to to help other people is is huge because obviously you know the student athlete life and can be a can be a 24/7 job and the fact that you can find time to do other things and are willing to set priorities to do other things to help other people I think is is huge and it speaks a lot about his character for sure and I like I can still remember to way back when we were planning out all the stops we were going to do on the tour and thinking about who we'd interview and what kind of fun tidbits there might be or storylines we could talk about and you kind of brought up like oh let's make sure with Bleska he does uh, a lot of work in the community and I, I really didn't think too much about it until you know researching just before the show and I was I was blown away just you know get, reading about what he did and then hearing firsthand uh, everything uh, that that program did and so you know f- for all the millions of reasons you you know the we're all hoping that this quarantine ends you know one of the top ones on my list right now is so so you know 
a person, a, 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 as good a person, someone like Bleska can continue doing that type of work. Because, you know, I, I don't doubt that even in the CFL, he'll be able to continue doing the, you know, maintain that effort, helping out at, uh, you know, um, you know, with the community, wherever, whatever team he winds up on. Um, and and let's let's not let's not let this take away from the fact that he's a fucking dog. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> is that Brian Dawkins type thing where you know, very nice, very friendly, very uh, you know, humble about what he does, and then puts on that helmet. He'll he'll knock a couple chiclets out of your fucking face if he has to. You know, he's a he's a dog. So you know, whatever team gets him is going to get a, a great human, great character. Um, going to do a lot for the community, but he's also going to whistle a whistle, knock some people out, take some balls down. Uh, yeah, just, you know, top to bottom, great organization for, for Western and Western's going to miss him. Well, on that note, another pair of guys that Western's certainly going to be missing, one of whom I think fits that same description you described Bleska in as someone who off the field seems like the biggest sweetheart on earth, but on the field <laughs> is an absolute dog. I'm talking about Mr. Dylan Giffen, along with Brett Ellerman, who we spoke with. Here's that interview right now. All right, continuing with our off-season walkthrough tour, we have finally made it to our final interview we are doing, and we are continuing with our Western Mustangs episode. Joining Dakota and I today, we have Brett Ellerman and Dylan Giffen. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. How have you been doing with uh, everything going on right now? No worries. Thanks for having us. And, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot to do. Uh, I'm back home in Calgary now, and I, I know Giff is back home in Strath, so... We've just been doing home workouts and and trying to pass the time that way and uh, mentally and physically prepare ourselves for whenever we're playing football next, hopefully soon. But uh, yeah, yeah, just same here. Just hanging out at my parents' house, trying to fill my days with exercise and keeping busy, but just waiting to play some football. And we're we're waiting to watch football. <laughs> Before Zach jumps into it, I, I gotta ask. Um, obviously, you know it's important to stay mentally prepared, physically prepared. Uh, I don't know if you can tell by the camera, but I had my mental breakdown moment, and you know, perhaps dyed my hair a color that I regret. Being a grown man, have you guys had? Have you guys had that uh, a, a mental relapse or a mental snap at all during this five or six weeks of quarantine? I'm right there with you. I broke all my hair. I don't think I've had anything too crazy yet. Uh, I let my girlfriend cut my hair, but she used to do it back in high school, so she actually did a pretty good job of it, just a little trim, keep things uh, professional and looking all right. But um, I think, I don't know, I think the days just kind of get so repetitive, even though you try to pass the time and do what you can with your work at home. They just, every day you kind of wake up, because I've just been writing down and making my own workouts, um, which have been, I think, pretty well. They've been working out pretty well for myself. You know, we have... Uh, Coach Watson and, and, and Dave Mackey, who've helped us out the last few years. So, you know, uh, both Dylan and I think could agree that we know how to make a, a, a fairly well-structured workout. But um, still, you know, you kind of wake up every day and you're like, oh, man, like, what am I going to do today? Like, it's it's tough. It gets, it gets repetitive. But, yeah, you just got to keep you, going. And you guys are done finals and everything, right? So you guys are done finals and everything, right? Uh, yeah, why well, I, I didn't have any finals actually. My classes, both my profs opted to to use the. They had they had a few options, but my uh, my profs opted to use the option where you could you could take the grade that you had in the class um, if you had finished over what was it like sixty or seventy percent of the course content already. So 
um, that's that's the way mine went. Yeah, I just had the one final, and the prof gave us a lot of time. We had like a forty-eight hour window to do it. And I just sat down and crushed it on my laptop. So going back to the point about workouts, because I imagine, you know, despite mentioning the just experience of being able to design your own workouts with just the the people you've worked out with in the past, I imagine you were somewhat limited in terms of the access to equipment and things of that nature. Just can you uh, both perhaps take our listeners through just the type of things you guys are doing? Because obviously not just being athletes, but athletes in preparation for, well, of course, the there was no uh, the, there wasn't the wasn't the combine. But of course, just um, preparing for the draft, what type of extra things you guys are doing and how you're going about doing them. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, it's definitely tough when you don't have all the equipment like you would at the gym or, you know, you, you show up. Uh, to the gym at Western and you got it all there. You got the field and, and the weights and everything. So it's definitely different, especially me being back home. I really don't have much here. Um, I got a couple of resistance bands that I've been using. You, you can actually do quite a few different exercises with the uh, resistance bands. So that's pretty good. And then I got a TRX and, and uh, some, some 25 pound plates and just been kind of combining things and, and mixing it all up, trying to, you know, I'm even kind of creating some workouts that I hadn't, done before in in the gym just uh you know figuring it out but uh, again that's where kind of a lot of credit has to go to our, our strength and conditioning coach coach watson and and dave Mackey, who is training us uh leading up to the to the combine is you know they kind of prepared us and, and taught us uh how to train and how to do things so i think that you know by no means uh are we experts but we we definitely uh, are, are fairly good learners and and uh, we kind of take that with us when, when it comes to preparing on our own. Yeah, I've just kind of been mix and matching too. Like I got a whole bunch of workout bands from Coach Watson. I've been just all over Kijiji buying whatever I get. I just got a whole <laughs> bunch of, um, I bought a couple of 105 pound dumbbells and a bunch of kettlebells. And me and my brother went up and we got permission to grab a tire from my old high school. <laughs> so we got a, a huge tire and my dad drilled two holes into it and put some ropes on it so it's kind of like a trap bar. Um, <laughs> my dad's getting his lawn. He's got his big lawn roller out, so I'm pushing that thing around a lot. And then there's hills and a lot of comb work. And then I've really been just locking down my diet. I've lost, uh, since January, about 30 pounds. So, yeah, I'm just moving home, and I've locked down my diet, and the quarantine allowed me to have 100% control over my own schedule and 100% accountability for training. So it's kind of been, you know, I'm just making lemonade out of the lemons I got and just hoping for the best. It's funny, Dylan and I kind of have uh, opposite uh, ideas when it comes to our weight. I'm trying to maintain and kind of stay where I'm at, and he's always trying to lose weight. So I'm always eating, and he's trying not to eat. Well, it's been let's move living together. Watching him just, I, I look at the meals he's eating, and I put on five pounds as this guy's eating whatever he wants. <laughs> Well, let's move from the weight component then to the height, because I was joking with Dakota. One of the funny things with this interview we have right now is that for Dakota and I, we represent two undersized, an undersized receiver in Dakota and a for, former undersized lineman in my respect. And we're speaking with two guys that I think it's fair to say an oversized receiver and an oversized offensive lineman, if such a thing could exist. So now it seems obvious that when, you, you know, I'm sure you guys have had people tell you all the time, oh, it must be so easy playing the game, being the size you are. But I'm curious. Being you know a, a tall receiver and being as big as you are, Giffen on the O line, are there any things that make your position tricky by being as big as you guys are? 
You ever had a linebacker get up underneath your helmet? <laughs> <laughs> That's the nice thing about being six foot playing guard. I didn't actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had guys like John Gabb and Phil Dion and those guys. If I climbed up a little bit too high to the next level, they let me know. <laughs> or like even back in my first year, I don't know if you remember the name uh, Preston Huggins. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I remember it was my first like week and I was on the scout team and we were running a counter play and I was the second puller. And I went up to him, and I thought I had a clean shot. He was looking inside, didn't even see me. And then just like that, he turned, and he he let me know I was a first year. <laughs> <laughs> How about for yourself, Brett? I think for me, um, you know, there's actually a, quite a few advantages about being a, a bigger receiver, and especially in the slot, I can kind of run across the middle. And even if I get kind of a high ball or a ball that kind of puts me in a vulnerable state, I, I, uh, I have the frame and the size to kind of take – a hit or whatever's kind of coming. Um, but I think that a lot of the time, uh, being my height, uh, a lot of people kind of underestimate it or tell me that I can't run. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not the fastest guy. I'm not going to put up a four five or a four six on the 40, but, uh, you know, you put a ball in my hands and a couple big guys chasing me, I'm not going to let them catch me. <laughs> you know, um, I think that's probably one of the biggest, uh, disadvantages that people will try to see. Uh, in, in a bigger receiver sometimes, but um, you also got to remember the stride too, right? Like one of my steps might not look that fast, but it's taken twice the amount of distance as somebody smaller. So it kind of, I think it kind of balances out. So now looking back at your time with Western and maybe I'll regret as a former Griffin asking this question, but I'm, I'm curious what the biggest revenge game for you guys was, uh, was, was it the, 2017 Yates getting the you know proverbial revenge on Laurier winning 75-32 or the 2018 Yates getting the revenge on Guelph by I'm not going to read the score read it in, read it <laughs> all right fine 63-14 which is actually not <laughs> as bad as when you guys beat them in the semis the year prior on your way to playing Laurier but like I said I'm already what was too that deep score in too? this what was that score what was that score Zach? Huh? We we've done your bias. This is this is the Western episode. What was that score? <laughs> Which what one? The semi against Guelph. Oh, sixty six to twelve. Like I said, actually a worse final outcome than when you beat them in the eights. Yeah. But looking at obviously the fifteen sixteen years losing to to Guelph and Laurier, and then going back, did those did those wins feel extra special, or with uh, is the team mentality just on to the next one? Doesn't matter who the opponent is. I think um, you know they definitely feel special, especially. Uh, for what you go through the last the two years prior to that um you know gif and i both we didn't play in 2015 um but you know you still feel that and you're still part of the team and you go through that with the team so when you get your chance and and you're these young bucks playing with these older guys you kind of take on that that responsibility and 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 the way that they kind of felt it when they were they experienced it kind of firsthand on the field um so it definitely feels good when you when you can contribute and and get that that kind of revenge uh, game, but I think probably the, one of the biggest ones was uh, Laurier in seventeen because we we lost them in sixteen after having a decent lead, which is you know yeah. always tough to you know it's never fun to lose, but especially to lose kind of a way like that. And um, so I think that that was kind of one of our games that asked like that was one of the milestones that we had always been looking to. And as soon as that happened, we were like, we're just you know we're not going to let anything stop us no matter what, anyways. At this point, so. And uh, kind of that's how the, that season ended. But uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. Definitely that 2017 year when we when we smacked around Guelph because of what they did to us in 2015. Then when we smacked around yeah. Laurier because what they did, that was a good feeling. But then yeah. definitely like just preparing exactly the same way and having kind of an even keel approach and making sure that we treated everybody the same and went in with our game plan. We weren't changing our game plan for anybody else. We had a we had a strategy and it was working. And yeah. And are you guys aware of? So are you guys aware that uh, Zach may have been on that 2015 team? <laughs> Honestly, not. <laughs> we, like I said, like I said, we didn't, uh, we didn't, yeah, we didn't play too much uh, in our first year, so we didn't focus too much on the personnel. We were just trying to get through our days on scout team and and trying to, try to help look. make the guys, yeah, make the guys around us better. Well, as a, as someone who spent about th- my first three years on scout team, it's. Uh, I don't have quite the word to, to encapsulate the feeling, but knowing that you two both were on Western scout team, even for only a year, I, I don't know. There's all sorts of emotions that make me are just bubbling up when I think about that, just given the careers you guys have had. Um, but, you know, continue, continuing with uh, just, you know, your experience in, in the OUA um, and more specifically just looking at this past year, you know, in these interviews we've done with guys across the league, we love asking about the competition with other teams, whether on an individual one-on-one basis or as far as playing a whole unit or, or say, a front seven or a defensive back core. So uh, I'll start with, well, Dylan, let's start with you and then we'll go over to Brett. What would you say, so for Dylan, what would, what's the best front seven would you say you had to go up against based on, say, personnel or scheme? And then Brett will go to you talking about the, the secondary. Who Who is it that, you know, maybe you're really preparing for a little bit extra going into that week of battle, just knowing whether who's drawing up the schemes or who's, you know, who's playing the field against you guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this year we had, um, as you know, a few of our coaches from previous years were head coaches in, like, Queens and Windsor. So Windsor gave us, like, they had – some pretty good schemes drawn up against our offense for a little while. But then it's always Laurier. Laurier's D-line is always, every year, very good. Like, they had Sam Achimpong and Trayvon James again, and they were just, they were twisting really well and executing them to perfection. They gave us a really, I think Alfred Kane had a few sacks against us as wild. But, like, they were, they are always really athletic guys. How about for you, Brett? Um... You know, I agree with Dill on, on the sense of the front seven. And um, I think that, you know, at Western, like Dill kind of mentioned earlier, we don't really prepare too differently for, for each team. I mean, obviously the schemes change, um, but we kind of take it week by week and, and we come in on on the, the Tuesday, usually is when we do our, our first prep meeting um, and we get our, our new handout for, for our install that week. And, and it's kind of that's we just start start anew each week. Our, our coaches prep up the the defensive looks, and and we get in watching our film. And um, you know, I think I, I don't think it's too different for each team. You know, obviously as as the playoffs progress and season progress, or if we have a a game you know that has playoff implications, we definitely uh, pay attention to it a lot more. And, and our coaches, you know, they're like, we got to get in and watch film like this is a big game. Um, but I don't think the prep necessarily changes too much, but um, you know, there's there's a lot of athletes in the OUA. You know, it's something I respect, uh, and I think it's it's really cool too that in the OUA, you know, you play, you don't even get to play everybody. You play a different team uh, each week, and I think it was twenty it was twenty eighteen that we ended up playing I think nine different teams because we played Guelph in the playoffs. But we didn't see them in the regular season, so I just think that that's so cool. Whereas in all the other conferences, they they're seeing each other usually twice, not always, but 
um, yeah, you know, we get to see a lot of competitors, uh, you know, secondary-wise. Uh, Laurier and, and Mac, they got a lot of athletes in the secondary. And, um, but yeah, again, like Dill said, we got a lot of coaches everywhere now. So a lot of them know, uh, you know, who we are. They coached us, so they can kind of give their take and try to let their players know who, who we are and what they know about us, weaknesses and strengths. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a, a game within the game itself too, you know. Yeah, the Greg Marshall are- coaching tree is big. Sorry. Yeah, you guys are you guys are very media trained. I'll give you that because if someone listens back, Brett didn't answer the question at all. <laughs> it was just a very good answer without actually, very good answer without actually pointing any fingers. Um, Brett, I don't know if you've if you've listened to the tour at all or you know seen what I've been doing on social media for our account. Uh, obviously, have gone to West, going to Western, big Western fan. Zach and I were at the Yates. Um, I got into a little vocal disagreement with one of the the parents in the stands. Turned out it was uh, Josh Cumber's dad, and on on the play in the Yates where he intercepted it, I was maybe a little vocal saying that was pass interference. Uh, he was very adamant that it wasn't, and then I sat down with Josh Cumber and I and I showed him the play, and, and he kind of gave me a media answer, which was answering it without answering it. Um, but what was your thoughts? It I I went through all the tape and I couldn't find like the angle that maybe showed him incidentally contacting you. Um, do you do you think was there a little bit of contact on that play where he picked off the ball at the end? I mean, yeah, certainly. I'm you know I, I didn't fall myself, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know I'm always I'm always somebody like I love the competition and and you know I've always you know I watch CFL and, and pros and college and everything and um, you know I always say DB just ha- has just the same amount of right to the football as a receiver, right? So go make a play and. You know, I coach youth flag football even, and I've refed it. And a lot of th- sometimes when I'm refing, parents will give me a little bit uh, of a hard time when I'm like, like if the DB <laughs> kind of bumps into the receiver. But if if they're going for the ball, um, you know, I don't see a problem with it. Um, you know, in that partic- particular instance, uh, you know, there probably could have been. I think I it go both ways, to be honest. You know, even if it's incidental or the guys kind of get caught up in their feet, um, you know, it happens. It's it's the way the sport goes. Uh, Earlier in the game, we had an, another instance where uh, the ball got thrown deep to me, and uh, he was grabbing me a little bit, and I couldn't get to it. And after uh, he told me, he's like, "Sorry, man, but I just had to grab you." So you know, <laughs> I, I know he, he's thinking the same way, you know. And it's it's football; it's you know, you compete, and you can't you can't worry about the what the refs are doing, and you can't control how they are seeing the game. You just got to try to make the most of of the plays when they're coming your way. And unfortunately for us, uh, you know, Mac did that better than we did that day well i think also just as an undersized player i'm gonna give him a little more credit because you're almost a foot taller than him i think he's at <laughs> i think he's i think he's 5'8 160 pounds and correct me for all you're 6'6 six, six, right i'm not 6'6 six, six. I'm, I'm like no four and a half you can oh, okay, call me six, so. five if you want <laughs> i guess i guess the measurements are a little uh, skewed in your favor on some of the websites but yeah I, all you know, right as a, as, a, as a small guy i don't blame him really for grabbing onto you i'd probably do the same thing if i was playing db yeah, for sure. So, keeping with uh, individual matchups, um, when we were at Queens, Dylan, this is more towards you. We were talking with uh, Anthony Federico, the defensive lineman there, and we were kind of, you know, getting them to talk about, you know, maybe different teams or players that maybe talk a lot of smack during the game. And he specifically talking about not answering a question. He actually answered the reverse and saying that you guys not only don't talk smack, but you guys are very respectful and that. 
on a maybe one or two occasions you might knock someone down and then help them up and be like hey nice try <laughs> you know good job all that stuff is that a is that a dylan giffen thing or is that a western o-line mentality because i'm you know we're good buddies with eddie meredith i know we talk, joked about that and he's you know a friendly son of a gun as well as as much as the the next guy so is that is is that a western o-line mentality like because i know some teams you know like to pride their o-line in being gritty and being dirty I, I always try to be mean and like throw guys around in between the whistles. And then I feel like it's kind of, it messes with their minds. If I'm kind of like a goofy, nice guy, you know, like if I go <laughs> pick him up after I've just steamrolled him into the ground. Like he's thinking, Oh my gosh, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about the game within the game. And if these people don't know where my head's at, they can't get inside it. And I'm just going to push them around all day long. He's like that in the huddle, though, too, man. Like, I'll come in and I'll be like, come on, guys, like, let's get a good drive going. Or, like, somebody will be saying something and Dell's like, yeah, like, I love you guys, man. Like, we're just having fun. <laughs> and he goes out and just, like, destroys three people on the play. And I'm just like, like how do you just play? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny, though. It's funny to watch. It really is. So, you know, talking about the Western Mustangs, whether, um, you know, whether – you know, rightly or wrongly, some people are predicting that maybe with the graduating of you know some of the players on this team, yourselves included, um, and many others, that perhaps the team will take a bit of a step down. But I'm sure you guys know better than anyone else the the type Eddie of Marsh depth. Is still there. Well, I mean, G Marsh, no <laughs> doubt. But then also, I'm sure there's just you know tons of younger players that maybe for viewers of the game who just you know tune in on Saturdays or, or just check in um you know somewhat infrequently may not know about the guys that are sort of waiting in the wings to take over the spots that you guys might be leaving vacant are there any guys that you guys can think of off the top of your head that you know like i said for the casual viewer we might not be as uh you know might not be as known to us but that you know you you guys feel confident we'll be able to you know wear the the western purple with pride and continue the the winning tradition elliot beamer elliot beamer's going to be the next most amazing o-lineman coming out of western he's one of the hardest workers i know and his football iq is out of this world the guy studies film and he works hard he's going to be a great leader yeah yeah i think it's uh it's important for a lot of people to kind of see the, the transition and everything. And it even happened with us. Like I said, in our first year, we didn't play, right? So a lot of people don't really know what's coming next. And I don't think it's necessarily these young guys' jobs to to step up and be us. I think it's for them to kind of make their own way and make their own mark. Um, you know, like for me, coming up in a place like Western, we had a lot of really good, talented receivers when I was coming up, you know, like Shaq Johnson, George Johnson, Justin Sanvito, Jamal Cat, uh, you know, I could I could list these guys, you know, if they're listening, sorry for not mentioning, but like all of these guys, right? So, you know, Matt Uren, Matt McDougal, Miles Rumble, like all these guys, you know. Harry McMaster, you're not going to say McMaster? Harry, <laughs> Harry, I, I, you know, there's so many on my mind, I'm trying to think of, right? But, um, you know, like all these guys, I don't think coming up, it's, it's not like, our job to to kind of be these guys i think that's kind of the cool thing about it is that you come up and, and you're trying to make your own mark and your own name for yourself and and you know be a guy that these younger guys can look up to and i think uh, i hope that dylan and i have done a good enough job with that the past few years but but yeah we got we got some young guys like uh, yusuf bowers lee coming up at receiver and and griffin campbell i think uh you know he's he's good he's fast uh you know, so these guys that maybe haven't seen the field as much or gotten a lot of credit, um, but they're coming up and they're going to make their mark. 
Now, despite the win or the loss, um, because you know we there was one of one of each. When you guys get to play, get the opportunity to play a school like Laval in the highest stakes opportunity there is in Canadian university football. Like I said, regardless of the win or the loss, coming back to action in the OUA the year after, what types of lessons do you guys learn from that matchup that you're able to impart or like how impactful is that on your game moving forward? I think it's, I think it's, I think it's really good. You know, like I said, we already, I think have a pretty good, um, chance at seeing a lot of different defenses in the OUA because you get to play so many different teams. Um, so the further you go in playoffs, the, the better teams you're playing, you know, in that sense, you know, in playoffs, everything's at a different level. Um, so I think, you know, the chance that you get to play a, a team like Laval and, and see again, another defense, despite a win or a loss, um, you know, you got film on it. You got film of yourself playing against a defense like that. And uh, you have this experience. So I think that it, you kind of take little lessons that you've learned in there or, or you can watch the film over and, and take some things that you might be able to apply to your game uh, in the near future. Even um, building on that, like Laval, they had Matthew Betts playing DN and he was one of the most dominant defensive players to ever play football in Canada. Like he was lighting it up. I had to be playing at 100% and there were still times there was just, I could hardly hold on to the guy. Like he was an amazing defensive player. So, just going up against somebody like that and like the out of conference like talent, it really helped develop my game to the next level. Yeah. Well, piggy, pardon me, piggybacking off that idea, um, you know, one of the things, another one of the sort of common threads we've asked guys around the league about is if there are any things that the OUA could ad- adopt or any changes you sports that would make a for a, a more either entertaining. Um, product or just for a better game for the players and we were speaking with Alex Daly recently from the York Lions and he was mentioning how he thought the idea of having interconference games during regular season action would be so uh, so meaningful um, for many reasons some including what you guys just mentioned getting to see different defenses different players that you might not normally get to see so I'm just curious um whether you know what you guys think whether it's something similar to that idea or anything else that you guys maybe may have thought of over your years playing OUA U sport football um, any changes um, not necessarily like grand changes but just anything you think that would make for a better a better product or better experience for the student athletes um yeah I've kind of always been with that idea of the the interconference games I thought it'd be cool to go you know whether you fly out or, or they're flying in you know fly out to UBC or or Calgary or you know, it because it, it has that that playoff type feel to it. You know, like like when we traveled to Acadia a couple of years back, or or uh, when we went to play Laval, you know, in Quebec City, uh, it's 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 cool. You know, and and I think that even for the fans, it kind of stirs up a lot of buzz, and and it's something that you don't get to see all the time. So I think that it just kind of brings a, a lot more excitement to it. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Giff? I think that doing those in the preseason would be really cool. I know that Laurier went – I know that a few teams have done that. I think Laurier went to – where did they go, McGill this year or Montreal? I'm not sure. But I know that doing it in the preseason would be really cool because then you got to go through your own conference and you've seen more defenses and how other conferences do it. I think that, yeah, out of conference games would be really cool. Well, at Guelph, we actually got to do it twice in preseason or – no. Well, once more, but I unfortunately didn't make the cut for the trip. But uh, we went to Montreal one year, and then we went to uh, 
Manitoba, and and it was nice that actually we were playing against the Bison's team that had Onyemata on their defensive line. But thankfully for my uh, six foot seven hundred or two hundred and seventy five pound frame, he I was actually sitting out in that game, so I probably saved myself from getting uh, embarrassed by was he play for the Saints now? So, but no, I, <laughs> I I know Dakota and I completely agree with that, and just all the other suggestions, just trying to to grow the game um, as best as uh, as much as we can. Um, so then, you know, looking forward, um, looking forward to the upcoming season, you know, hoping that we do have one, um, you know, from, do you guys ever, do you look at the schedule? Um, you know, obviously you guys have been so dominant and, you know, I know you guys aren't, aren't going to be with, with the Mustangs, but when you guys look at the upcoming schedule or any going into any year, despite the dominance you guys have had, um, you know, outside of situations like, you know, where it's a revenge game against Guelph or, or Laurier. Um, are there any teams that you guys circle on, on your schedule that, you know, you, you look forward to playing, whether it's for individual matchups or just, you know, anything that you guys got? You're going to be mad at me. I love pushing around Guelph guys. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Well, why? What is that? Just... They're always good and they're always well coached and prepared and it's always just a good matchup and, they always have good guys. Like, and Tavius is—he's the only DN who's just as tall as me. Like, normally I lock guys down and I just kind of extend and use my extension, but he's still able to get on my chest plate and make a counter move off that. So yeah, it's just because of his length. I always like playing Guelph. Yeah, for me, uh, um, I don't think there's anybody particular that I that I circle on. I think. I think it kind of depends on the season before who gave you a hard time or, you know, who maybe you had a good game against or, you know, playoff implications, you know, if, if you lose or, or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't think I really sought out or look, look towards uh, any particular opponents. Um, I just kind of treat each week as a new week and, you know, try try to have the my best game of my career each game, you know, so. Perfect. Um, well, on that note, I don't know, Dakota, was there anything left that you had for that? Uh, yeah, I just, just have one. Um, obviously, it's it's weird circumstances being in, in quarantine and, you know, National Combine is not really happening. Uh, I don't know how much you can really talk about this, um, but for the people that are listening, maybe the third, fourth years, or even some of the high school athletes we have listening, can you tell us what it's like, like behind the scenes of having, you know, teams come out and can contact you? Like, is it kind of bringing you back to the butterflies in your stomach? Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Of when universities were first starting to recruit you, or is it obviously it's professional, so it's you know a lot more extensive than just hey come visit our school because you know. But just tell us tell us what it's like behind the scenes as much as you're really allowed to to tell. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a definitely a cool uh, situation to be put in again. Um, I, I myself have been a little bit uh, nervous, especially in these upcoming days as it's getting closer to, to the draft day. Um, but I think it's fun too. You know, you just got to enjoy the process. And you know, I've been, you know, I check my email every day. And uh, a few weeks back, when the interviews had, had first started, you know, you're just hoping that somebody's emailed you and somebody wants to talk to you because that's kind of initially everybody wants to be wanted, right? So you're kind of <laughs> just hoping that you're you're hoping that somebody wants to talk to you, but. Um, I guess the one big difference here is that you don't get to choose where you go. You know, in universities, they, they can, they want to talk to you and, and they want to get you out for a visit, but at the end of the day, you're the one picking them. So, um, in this instance, it's, it's a little bit of the opposite. They, they choose you or you're hoping they choose you. So, um, but it's cool. It's fun. And, uh, yeah. What do you think, Bill? 
Yeah, it's been a, a really amazing process. Like just kind of make sure that you're working as hard as you can to produce the best product you can give to these CFL teams and just like just reiterating what Brett said, you don't know where you're going to end up. Like I've lived within 35, 40 minutes of where I was born and grew up my whole life. But the next thing I know, I could be flying out to BC or the other, some other place in the country. I'm a bit of a mama's boy, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been a great process, though. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I, I, I'm I, no doubt just with the 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 wealth of talent westerns put out into the cfl over the years that wherever you two both land you'll probably have some some familiar faces in in many parts of the country playing at the next level and uh you know absolutely uh you know speaking for dakota i know we're both you know pulling for you guys uh for the 30th and and everything that comes after that um so uh brett dylan thank you guys so much for joining us today um once again, all the all the best, all the all the luck in the world for you guys, and uh, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Once again, that was Dakota and I speaking with Western Mustangs receiver Brett Ellerman and offensive lineman Dylan Giffen. Dakota, once again, these are your your alma mater, your 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 brethren. I'll give you first off. Talk about what you heard there. I want to I want to stay away from just saying a bunch of great guys, so I won't say that. Um, <laughs> no, it was very nice, very nice to uh, to speak with them, to catch up with them. Obviously, those are two guys I, I know before you know all the fame hit us with this podcast and you know teams. He was outside of our door, even with social distancing. But uh, no, it's it's exciting. It's kind of weird because um, just obviously their their first year was kind of my. My last year, I was living in London, but not really involved with uh, anything sort of football. And you know, you hear their name around campus, and now, where the where the hell does time go? These guys are going to the CFL, <laughs> and I'm sitting here recording a podcast in my room. Uh, it's it's wild how fast time goes. Um, and you know, another another two men that are very well spoken. Uh, I I just got to say, Western is well media trained. That's uh, that's just you know what I got to say about them. Um, yeah, two two other dogs. You said before, you know, Giffen is very nice, very humble, very soft spoken. I've never heard him talk shit. I don't think ever outside of, of football uh, in the time that I've known him. But on the field, yeah, he'll he'll put a man into the dirt, like six feet under into the dirt with ease, and not think twice about it, and then go probably chuckle back into the huddle. And that's just the type of player that he is. And you know, any CFL team is going to be lucky. I you know he, I have him going in the first round, but I'm not a GM yet, so doesn't really matter <laughs> what I say. I know. I mean, I, I agree with pretty much every sentiment you brought up there too. Just really, really super nice guys, um, and uh, yeah, obviously just like everyone that we've spoken to in the last little while, like Bleska, and we spoke with Alex uh, Daly. You know, guys getting ready for this draft where. You know, there's no there's no playbook on how to prepare for a draft in a quarantine. So I mean, just for all the other reasons that we mentioned, they're great guys. But you know, just the, the work they're putting in in this time when no one really knows what to do. Um, you know, I'm wishing them all all the best of luck. But then again, that's just my mo. Um, but what an interview to finish this tour on, starting all the way back with Clay Sequera interview number one to interview number a billion with Dylan Giffen <laughs> and Brett Ellerman. Uh, what a great way to to end this this saga, this journey that we've been on. 
Uh, Dakota, as you mentioned, uh, we will be doing a more formal wrap-up of, of everything that we uh, we saw and all the, the highlights and some of the lowlights and the, you know, some of the technical difficulties we'll talk about everything kind of get a little inside scoop on all this because honestly it, it's crazy to me that you know right now it's the end of april well i guess when you're hearing this it'll be may already but that we're here after what four months of doing this and we've you know visited almost every school we've spoken with someone from every school and uh you know i'll 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 toot our own horn i'm really proud of what we did here and uh <laughs> And it, and it doesn't stop because, you know, we the draft is happening. And even if there's no football, um, you know, Dakota and I and, uh, you know, everyone in our sort of close circle that, you know, we talk shop with, we're working hard to put together content to keep you engaged during this quarantine time, no matter how long it goes on. Um, so I guess this will be the final sign off for the offseason walkthrough tour. But like I said, that won't be the last you hear from us. So until then, we'll see you next week at the 55. I'm just so tired. <laughs>